Good morning. Can you hear me? <laughs> I just realized I forgot to turn my microphone on. That's important. So, hey, good morning. It's good to see you. Thanks for being here and for worshiping with us today. If you are watching online, we're grateful that you're watching. And I'll reiterate what Matthew said earlier. There is an online survey that we'd love for you to take. We told you to take it last week, but we, it didn't quite work out. So some of you guys are frustrated with that link, and so we're just saying again, it's there. It's uh, anonymous. It's a one-minute survey, but if you're willing to take that, it would really help us a lot. So um, thank you very much. This uh, last couple of weeks, as you, if you've been here, you know that we've been doing a series called Align, and today we're in part three of four parts of this series on Align. And this is an important topic for us to talk about because we want to, as a church and as people, be aligned with God and His purposes. And we all know that it's very easy for us, isn't it, as people to get out of alignment with other people, to get out of alignment with the church, and get out of alignment with God and His purposes. So this is just a moment for us to come back together and say, how can we make sure that we're going the right direction? This summer, if you were here at South Hills, you know we did a series called Unstuck. We were trying to go from stuck to getting going forward with Christ. That's a great thing. We want to keep move and we want to move forward, not be stuck anymore. But if we're going in, in opposite directions, then we're not in alignment with God and His purposes, and we'll be frustrated as well. Because when we're not in alignment with God and His purposes, we're not on the same page, head in the same direction, we'll be tired frustrated, will be unfulfilled, will we'll lack joy. It's just not a great place to be. So it's an important opportunity for us this fall. That's what we've been focused on this fall moving forward. How can we make sure that we stop long enough to ask the question, what is it that, that is, um, that's God's priorities, His purposes for us, and how can we align ourselves with that because that's the way that we can be most honoring and glorifying to God, but it's also the best thing for us personally in our life as well. So as a church, we're talking about how can we be in alignment with God, but also as individuals in the church, as Christians, it's deeply personal. How can we also align with God and His purposes so we can experience the full life that He has for us? And so that's what we are we're talking about. And so um, I'm gonna, what I want to do first is just do an overview, review the, the three priorities that we've been looking at, that we've just, we just went to Scripture and said, hey, what are those things that, we, that like, we know God has for us as a church, and that we know that God wants for us as His people, and let's make those things our priorities. And so we're highlighting three of them, and we're saying, how can we make sure that those are the priorities for us individually and as a church. So let me just review them for you. If you're a note taker, this is your day. So there's lots of ways that you can take notes. Um, good luck following me, okay? So we'll just go, just go with it. Here we go. The first priority is to engage. That Our number one priority is to love God and love others. And so we just said, hey, let's be people who engage with God. That is our, our vertical relationship. And then we engage with people, our horizontal relationship, loving God, loving others. That is our priority. Secondly, the second priority there is that we equip, that there's um, a command in Scripture that we're called to equip the church, and we'll talk more about what that means specifically today. And then third is empower, empower disciples who make disciples, and we'll be talking about that this next week. So we want you to come be a part of all of them. If you're just stepping in, this is an opportunity for you to get a peek at what we're about as a church and what we want for those who attend our church and if you're saying, hey, I'd like to know more, we invite you to come go back to the previous messages so you can catch up and get the full picture. But we're glad you're here today. These are our priorities. Then the question with this is, if these are our priorities, how can we as individuals and a church align with God? If these are part of His purposes for us, these are priorities to God through we, that we find in Scripture, how do we make sure that we can align with Him? So that's the next question. How can we do it? And we start to get really practical then. And I use two words for engage to help us say, how can we practically align with this this priority of being engaged with God and His people. So we talked about worship and connect. Worship and connect. Those are part of our, uh, what it means for us to align with God and what He wants. And, um, and uh, so with that, I gave two encouragements this last week. If you were here, um, I talked about it practically. What would it look like for us to align with God and His priorities? If it means if engaging with Him is a priority and engaging with others is a priority, what would be, how can we practically do it? So I gave two encouragements. Here's the first one. The first encouragement I gave was this, to make Sunday worship a weekly priority. To make Sunday worship a weekly 
priority. The average attender of South Hills Church attends South Hills 12 to 15 times a year. That's once a month, and some it's less than that, some it's a little bit more than that. But we're just asking you and inviting you to say, hey, let's swim against the tide of our culture and make a commitment. Let's make weekly worship in, in, in the church on Sundays a weekly priority. And we want that not just because we want to demand things and mandate it and demand it, but because we want what's best for you. And we know that we have a weekly connection. We prioritize that. Make it our habit like Jesus did. He worshiped regularly. In Scripture, it says it was his custom. It's what he did. And so at the same time, we're just saying we're going to be followers of Jesus. Let's follow his example. Let's worship regularly. Let's make that commitment. It's good for you, and it's good for the other people in, in your life, other relationships as well. So that was the encouragement this last week. The second encouragement I made was this, to connect and commit to a life group. That not only do we engage with God, but we're to engage with others. And our primary strategy to help people in our church engage with others in community is through life groups. And I know that when I say join a group, that is a big step for a lot of people. That, hey, just show up and be a part of a group um, in someone's home with maybe people you don't know. I recognize that that is a step. That is a big jump. But I don't want to not invite you into it because I also believe that it's a valuable step. And I know, really, truly believe it can help you grow. This last week in my life group, we were talking about it in our group. And a number of them were talking about how intimidating it was to come to our life group for the first time and how they were hesitant and they were invited and if they hadn't been invited they probably wouldn't have come but they came they took the step and they were talking um, this last week about how grateful they were that they came that it was stretching that it was challenging but it's it's healing and it's been helpful and it's been good and I want that for more people here at South Hills Church that you would find a community, a connection with people that will help you grow, who will walk with you, encourage you, a place where you're known and you can know others. That's what we want. And I'll just mention this because we live in a microwave world and we live in a world where we want instant results that going to a life group one time may not transform your life in that moment, okay? Can I just, just remind you of that? I know it can happen, and that's fantastic, but it's the, the week in, week out that becomes transformative. It's walking with people for the long term that your life begin to be, rub off on each other. You begin to sharpen each other. It's not a one-time thing. It's, a, it's, the, it's the, hey, we're running in the same direction, and we're running this marathon together because it is a marathon, and it's time week after week after week that we begin to say, God, you're shaping me. God, you're transforming me. God, you're using these people to encourage me, and you're using me to encourage them. It is a process, and it's a, but it's a commitment. That's why we say connect and commit to a life group. We want you to be known, and we want you to know others. And some of you are saying, we want to be in a life group, but our schedule right now, it's, it's um, too impacted. And I get that. I understand it. Maybe you've already made commitments. Um, so that happens. That's why we're doing trimesters. If you can't join this fall trimester, we will start again a new trimester in the winter. And so I'm just going to encourage you now to be thinking forward and say, how can I clear some space in my schedule so that I can connect with people where we can grow and walk together? Because the long-term result is transformation, and we really believe that to be true. So those are the two encouragements that I gave this past week for you. Now, this week, we're going to talk about the concept of, of a, the priority of, of equipping, equipping the church. And with that, I'm going to make two other statements, and we'll kind of give some encouragements with that as well. But the two, two things that we're going to be talking about is grow and serve. Grow and serve. And I'll unpack that a little bit more, but if you want to take notes, that is it. So it's, it's worship, connect, grow, and serve on your notes. That's what we're going to be focused in on today equipping the church, and then practically, how do we align with it? It's by growing and serving. So we'll talk about that together. Now, it, it, the passage that I want to look at with you that will help us um, focus more on this priority of equipping the church is found in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. So if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4 so that we can look at it together. Um, but 
normally, when we look at a passage, I'll, I'll read the passage in its entirety. We're going to look at uh, verses 11 through 16. But today, what I want to do is just uh, look at it verse by verse and have it unfold, have it un- discover it together um, in our time. And so we're going to do that uh, together. But before we do that, let me just give you a little bit of background on, the, on this book and the author who wrote it. Uh, the book of Ephesians is written by the Apostle Paul. He wrote over a dozen books in the New Testament, um, and this is one of them. And in fact, it's, it's, we call it a book, but really, truly, it's a letter. It's a letter that he wrote to the church in a city called Ephesus. Ephesus is, is a place that's um, archaeologically, is, it's, a, it's, it's, it's mapped out, it's found, you can still visit it today. I hope at some point in my lifetime I'm able to go visit uh, the ancient city of Ephesus. Um, but it was a, tr- a place, a city that Paul spent a lot of time in, and there was a, uh, the church that was planted there, and he's writing to that church. And so that's what this, this letter, or the book of Ephesians, is Paul writing to a church, and he really focuses on two things. The book can be broken down into two parts. The first part is all about our belief as Christians, and the second part is all about our behavior as Christians. So first part, chapters 1 through 3, um, what are the, what's the calling of a Christian? And then the second part, 4 through 6, the second, the second three, last three verse, uh, chapters are about um, how we conduct ourselves as Christians. And we're going to jump in at, at Ephesians chapter 4, really, where the focus is on our behavior, our conduct, how we're to act and respond as Christians based on what we believe and what we've been called to in Christ. And it's very helpful because in chapter 4, he talks about how the church ought to function which is important for us to stop and say, okay, let's listen close to how the church ought to function here in Ephesians chapter 4. So beginning in verse 11, let me read it for you. And then we're going to basically over this, as we look at these verses, we're going to answer six questions. And the questions are really, um, if I gave you the questions, this, this passage, you could fill out the, the answers yourself. It lays out really simply, but let me just show it to you here as we look at it together. So first, first verse 11 In Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says this, So Christ himself gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. And so he's saying Christ gave apostles. What are apostles? Apostles means sent ones, or ones who are sent. And in the New Testament, the apostles really were a specific group of people who saw the resurrected Christ and were given a specific task to lead and, um, and start and lead the church. And so really, the characteristics of apostles um, is, is that leadership and that, that lead, uh, starting and, and getting things going. So then there's the prophets. Um, also, another uh, says that Christ gave prophets. Prophets are, um, there's two kinds of prophets. There's prophets who are um, foretellers and forthtellers. The foretellers are the prophets who predict the future and they'll say something like, this is going to happen. And then there's foretellers. Those are the ones who speak hard truth and will say things that maybe other people are like, ooh, that's kind of, like, I don't know if you can really say that and get away with it, but the foretellers, prophets are like, we're just going to say it as it is, hard truth. Then there's evangelists. They are um, those who uh, really have a passion and a gifting for sharing the good news about Jesus Christ. And so evangelists are oftentimes missionaries or church planters or just, they're just in life, they just find avenues to to draw people in and explain the good news in a way that people can hear it. Um, then there's pastors and teachers. Pastors are shepherds and leaders. And then there's teachers, of course, teachers who teach God's word to God's people. So this is, um, this is what he's talking about. So the question here in this, this passage, the first question that I want to ask is this. What did Christ give to his church? That's the first question. Question one, what did Christ give to his church? And the answer is this. He gave gifted people. He gave gifted people. Oftentimes when we think about gifts, we think about things that were given a thing. But in this case, Christ gave the church people. He gave, of course, spiritual gifts, but first he gave people. So he gave people to the church, leaders to the church, so that, um, uh, and, and this is his gift. The question then, the second question then becomes, well, why did he give um, gifted leaders, gifted people to the church? And that's the second question. It's this, and it, it's, it talks about it in verse 12, to equip his people for works of service. 
to equip his people for works of service. And so why? The answer is right there. It's this, to equip people to serve. The job of pastors, leaders, those that God has given to the church um, is to not do the, the work of, of ministry, but to help equip others to do the work of the ministry. The pastor's job is not to serve and be the only one who serves. The pastor's job, the church leader's job, is to help others in the, in the, in the body of Christ, the church, find ways that they can serve and empower them and equip them so that they truly can be a part of the whole body. That is the job of the pastor. So then um, the, the, question, the next question is this, well, why do we equip God's people to serve? Why, why, we do, why would we do that? Here, and it, it's answered in the, the next one. Why equip God's people to serve is this in verse 12. Um, so that, it's the remainder of verse 12, sorry. So that the body of Christ may be built up. So the job of the pastors, leaders of the church, are to equip people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up. So the answer, the, 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 if you want to fill in the next blank, is this. To build up the, his church. To build up his church. So leaders of the church, God's given gifted people to the church. Why? So that they could equip people in the church to serve. Why are we equipping people in the church to serve? So that the church would be built up. So the church would grow in, in maturity and strength, and um, that's, that's, um, that's what the, this passage is telling us. Then, the next question, of course, then is this. What does success look like? What is it? How do we know if we're winning? How do we know if this is really happening? And that's what we see in the next verse, verse 13. It says this, Until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So what does God give? He gives people. But why? To equip people to serve. Why? To build up the church. And then what, how do we know that we're being successful? We're being successful if there's unity in the church. Unity in, and he says there's three different ways that we can see it being successful. It says until we've all reached unity in the faith. So that the church centers around faith in Jesus Christ. That people would say, yes, it's about trusting Jesus. He is the center point. The, the more people in the church really understand it's faith and nothing else. Faith in Christ. Uh, faith in Christ. That they would, would get that and trust him with their life. Not just for salvation, but for their whole life. That they would be grow, growing in their faith. And then that there would be unity in what? In knowledge is the second thing he says. Unity in faith. Unity in knowledge is the second one. That the church would grow in their knowledge of who God is. And what he's done and how, what it means for us to follow him wisely. And we need knowledge for that. Many times people say, well, you just need, we just need to be unified as a church in love. Yes, we need to have that. But if we don't have knowledge, we can go in all sorts of different directions when we start talking about what love is and how we love and all those kinds of things. And so we have to have that base, that foundation of unity of knowledge, that we have an understanding of, of who Jesus is, what he did, what his death and resurrection accomplishes for us. We need knowledge on those things because this is where culture and lots of people can get sideways if they're not rooted in, in knowledge as well. So it's, it's absolutely important. There's unity in faith, unity in knowledge of the Son of God and become mature is another one. Unity and maturity, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, that the church would be built up in faith in knowledge and maturity attaining to the full measure of what Christ has for us, and knowledge of Him, and, and maturity in Him. This is, this is what the church, how we ought to function, what it looks like if we're succeeding. And so then the next question is this, uh, what does maturity then look like? But he doesn't, Paul doesn't answer the question of, in terms of maturity, what it looks like. He actually first answers what it does not look like. And so that's where the next, next question is. Question five, what does maturity not look like. In verse 14, he says this, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. So this is what um, maturity doesn't look like. He wants to clarify that. What it doesn't look like is this, instability. It doesn't look like instability. He says uh, maturity doesn't mean that you're being blown back and forth, tossed 
back and forth by different teachings and by different things going on in the world. But maturity means that there's stability. That's, so he's just, he's first of all pointing out what it's not. And here's a real test of maturity. A real test of maturity in your faith is this. How does your faith hold up when hard times come? How does your faith hold up when uh, the, the, the difficult crisis hits? When the challenge comes? When things that you are holding on to are no longer there? What happens then? Is your faith decimated or are you still, is it still there? What happens when the, the disease, uh, the diagnosis of disease hits your life? What happens after the divorce? What happens when there's just this challenge that's come into your life, the death of, of a friend or a loved one? How do you respond? It's, it's part of what the test of maturity is in, in terms of how your faith holds up in those moments. How does your faith hold up when you hear different teaching? Are you able in your, your own maturity of faith to be able to say, that doesn't sound right. Are you mature enough to say, you know what, there's teachings out there, and there's people that are using, even using Scripture, but man, there's, I just, I may not know exactly what's going on, but there's something not right. Are you mature enough to have stability and not be tossed back and forth? Well, maybe that's what it believes, and that's what it believes, but there's a part of you that says, no, I'm not unstable. I know the truth, that there's a part of you that says, hey, when the hard time comes, when the hard, um, when the false teaching comes, that you stand firm. That's the question. And we want you to be able to stand firm. The question is, how does that happen? How do we make sure that we have that kind of mature faith, that stable faith, in, in the midst of the storms, in the midst of the false teachings, in the midst of the challenges of life? And that's where this is such an important thing. And this, here's my encouragement that I want to give to you. The encouragement that I want to give to you is this, that I want you to grow. Um, and that's part of equipping the church. We want you to grow so that you're mature and you're not tossed back and forth. Well, how do you grow? One of the things that I want to encourage you with is this, to own your pursuit of God. To own your pursuit of God. We want to equip you, but at some point you have to say, I want to equip myself. At some point, you have to say, you know what, if I want to be mature and not tossed back and forth by the winds and the waves and the, the cunning and, and deceitful teaching in this world, you've got to say, I've got to equip myself. I've got to anchor myself. And so that's the encouragement. And, and I know that I talked to you this last week, and I already mentioned it again, the priority of coming to worship on a, on a weekly basis and the priority of being in a, in a life group. And that's great. We want both of those things to happen. But what happens the rest of the week? There's Sunday, and there's some night during the week at a life group, if you're involved in those two things. But what happens the rest of your week is my question. Youth group, I love it. Yes, that's awesome. (laughs) Thank you. That's good. We want as much input as possible. But at some point, we can drag you along, but at some point you have to say, you know what, I've got to keep going on my own. That I also have to pursue my own growth in, in faith that I'm, I'm pursuing it for myself. And I think about just the picture of a basketball player. And maybe they're gifted. Maybe they're really good at basketball. But the only time they ever play basketball is at the game. The only time they ever play is on game day. What's the problem with that? Will they improve if it's once a week, game day, or every other week, or whatever it might be, no. If they want to be a great basketball player, not just good, but great, they're not just going to play on game day. They're going to play every day, aren't they? Because everyday practice, everyday discipline means their skills are growing um, stronger, and their, their ability and their knowledge is going deeper. And they, it's the same thing for us. We want you to come on Sunday. That's great. But what about the other six days? If you're just getting input from God's Word on one day a week, you're having one meal a week, that's not healthy, is it? Right? If someone you know is only eating one meal a week, you'd be like, come on, we've got to help you out. You know, you need a little more nourishment than one meal a week. So come on Sunday, awesome. But what about the rest of the week? We want to encourage you to say, hey, I want to pursue my own spiritual growth. That I, I come and I worship and I'm encouraged and be with God's people, that's important. But then I also take the transition and I say, I'm going to also own my own spiritual growth. So I grow in maturity and I'm not tossed back and forth by the waves of, 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 of this, the culture and the teaching around us. So 
How does that, what does that look like? How can you do it? Part of it comes from just developing personal disciplines and habits, just like the basketball player who doesn't just play on game day but has disciplines and practice habits to help them be a better basketball player. The same is true for us. So there are personal um, spiritual habits that are important for us to say, I'm going to own them. I want to take them and be a, have them be a part of my life. And I listed them for you, but let me just go over them just for a moment. Some of them, because uh, they're just so important. Bible reading. This is, this is the primary one. This is so important. This is the primary way that God speaks to us is through His Word. The Bible is the only book that God wrote, by the way. So um, it'd be a good thing for us to stop and say, oh, I should probably read that. And I should probably listen to it and take that in because it, it's important. It's, not, it, 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 it's, it's a way for us to say, how can I stay aligned with God in terms of my, my, my life, my relationships, my decision-making? We, we have to hear from God's Word. And so in um, 2 Timothy, perhaps you've heard this passage before. Let me read it for you. It says this, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's Word equips us, and sometimes it rebukes us, sometimes it corrects us, sometimes it shows us the path, but we need all those things in our life, don't we? We all need a little bit of correcting, a little rebuking, a little training, a, a little bit of just wisdom to say, how do we do it? So we, we say, God, we need your word. Uh, for, for years, I have done a, a daily Bible reading plan. I read through the Bible in a year, and I've done it for years, and it forces me to say, I've got to stay current in just getting into God's word for myself on a daily basis. And I just want to encourage you to pick up some plan. It may not be the one-year plan. In fact, in the, in the new year, we'll talk more about it because I want to encourage you to do it along with me in this next new year as it turns around. But if you want to get a head start, go for it. Go for it. If you're saying, I just don't know where to start, just pick up one of the Gospels. Go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's all about Jesus. Start there and say, hey, during the week, not just on Sunday, I'm going to start feeding and equipping myself during the week. We want you to own your own spiritual growth. That's a part of it. The second thing is this, prayer. If, if Bible, the Bible reading is a, God's primary, where, primary way of speaking to us, prayer is our primary way of speaking to God. So we want to encourage you with that. And then there's a whole other um, list of spiritual habits that you can, um, you can participate in. These are all things that you can own as part of your own spiritual growth, part of equipping yourself so that you're growing in maturity. There's journaling. Many of you do that, and that's wonderful. Scripture memory, it's, an, it's another a great, great tool, um, a great spiritual habit. Podcasts. I say podcasts because there, um, there are so many wonderful uh, spiritual podcasts podcasts that can really help you grow in your faith. My wife, Lisa, loves podcasts, and she has a whole list of podcasts that she listens to for a variety of things, whether it's parenting or just, you know, theology or just current world times, and how, does, how do we have a biblical worldview in the midst of this world that we're living in, and she's constantly listening to them, and I think it's great. It's just she's a mom on the go, right? So sometimes she doesn't have time or she's constantly interrupted. So here's a podcast. I'm doing dishes. I'm doing this. And she's listening. And guess what? The whole family gets to benefit too because there's times where we're like, hmm, good point. And we're all learning together, right? It's modeling a discipleship at the same time, but it's just how she functions. It's one of the, the disciplines or habits or things that she's brought into her life to help her grow as a mom on the go. Then there's books. Books are another way that you can, you, a personal habit. For me, um, beyond the Bible, books have really helped me grow spiritually. Um, I've, I, I, I like reading books. I didn't, growing up, like reading books. But um, I have learned to love books because I've learned that, hey, as I'm, if I'm learning and growing, if I have a constant input, I have a better output. But if I'm stagnant and if I'm not learning, then I, I, get, I feel anxious and stuck and unfulfilled, so I constantly want to be reading or looking at things and, and challenging my mind and my heart so that I can be growing, and it's just a, a, a powerful habit, and, and it's a good thing. Music. Music is another way that many of you I know have, it's a personal thing that's, that's really, God's met you, and it's, you know, you love worshiping on Sunday mornings, but I know that many of you have songs that have been very meaningful to you, and you'll listen to them throughout the week, and many of you probably have been in that spot where there's that one song that you listen to on repeat. You ever had that moment? Those, that one song, you're like, I listen to it like a hundred times a day because it just reminds you of what you need to be reminded of. It gets your heart focused in the right place. It reminds you of certain truths about God and you listen to it on repeat 
God can use those things, and it's great. Um, there's nature. Uh, we live in a beautiful, beautiful part of the country, don't we? And there's just something beautiful about going on a hike, about being near water. For me, it's just being near the beach. I just love the ocean, listening to it, hearing the sound, going, wow, God, you're pretty amazing, right? It's, it's worship, and there's, a, there's times where nature can be a part of helping us have those spiritual habits. And again, it's, it's, per, it's owning our spiritual growth and pursuing it on our own. There's personal spiritual habits, but there's also group spiritual habits. Um, and so I'll just mention a couple of those group spiritual habits. Um, go ahead and show the list, and we'll just talk them through. But there's ways that you can be equipped here in our church. There's Bible studies that are, that are offered that we encourage you to do. There's, there's men's Bible study. We have a men's Bible study on Wednesday morning. And it's a great way to say, hey, I want to come and connect with other guys and, and grow and study and talk together. Um, there's women's Bible studies. There's uh, book groups. This last summer we did uh, summer sessions, and we were really the whole goal of our summer session was let's not just take a break for the summer, but if people have margin, let's create some opportunities where people can be equipped. And so we, we looked through a number of different, um, uh, you know, topics that we could try to bring to you in the church to say, could this help you? Could this help you? Could we equip you? And so we did a couple of different things. One of them was a book study, a couple of other studies, because we want to equip you. We want to help you grow. But, you, it, but many of you took the initiative and jumped in on that. There's classes that we offer. We have our next step classes. So we have starting point, just an introduction to our church and what we believe. It's a great step. Um, baptism class, it's another next step class. We have our foundations class, foundations of faith. This is a class that we'll offer seasonally um, at different times because we know that people just need sometimes the foundations. What's the basics of the Christian faith? And we want to help you with that. And it's, it's, a, it's a short-term commitment, but it can help you say, I'm going to build on something because we, we want to equip you. We want to equip you to be able to know what you believe and why you believe it and what a, why a relationship with God can be so uh, transformative. So we have those classes. We also have classes that happen like Wisdom Seekers class. What an incredible class. What a great group of people. And there's people who've committed to just say, we're going to come to that class on a weekly basis because we know it's a part of how we can grow uh, in a group setting. And it's, it's, a ne- it's another step. Um, there's accountability groups as another way for people to grow. That is, there's life groups, but accountability groups might just take it a little bit deeper, a little bit further, where there's people that you're uh, account- accountable to for specific things that you can open your life up to. For me, I'm in a life group, but I've, I've been in accountability groups um, for over half of my life. I've been in accountability groups with other guys. In fact, when I moved here, the guys that I've been meeting with for, for years and years and years, uh, we still meet together on a weekly basis. We just FaceTime each other now. Um, but they know so much about me. It's embarrassing, but they know lots about me, and it's safe. And I can talk to them, and they know what questions to ask. They know how to talk, they, then we, and we touch base on life on, on personal and real ways. And I, I I want that for myself. I want that for you. There's just ways that we can own our own spiritual growth to say we, 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 can, we can take it further. And of course, we want that because we want you to own your own pursuit of God. So again, just going back to that initial encouragement, we want you to own your pursuit of God. You're going, wow, that was a lot of things. I don't know if I can take them all. Can I just encourage you to start with two things? Again, the two basic things. We'll start here. Start with Bible reading and prayer. If, it just, if nothing else, just say, hey, I want to read the Bible on my own during the week. I'm going to pick up a book of the Bible. I'm going to ask a friend for a plan. I'm just going to make a commitment. I want to own my own pursuit of God. And so I'm being equipped so that I'm growing and in, in, in being encouraged in that way. So those are the things I want to encourage you with. Now, um, there's a couple of terms that I want to um, quickly define for you because it's important. We talk about them a lot. There's the three terms. There's disciple, disciple maker, and a mature disciple. So let me quickly review them, and we'll talk, we'll talk about them this, more this next week. But a disciple is anyone taking steps towards Jesus. If you're here, and you're taking a step towards Jesus, a, a, a disciple really means a learner or, or, or follower. So you're learning, you're following, um, you're, you're taking steps towards Jesus. That's a disciple. Disciple maker is anyone who is uh, intentionally helping others take steps towards Jesus. 
So this is great if you are um, a parent, you're a disciple maker. You're helping your kids intentionally take steps towards Jesus. If you work in our children's ministry, guess what? You're a disciple maker. You're helping kids intentionally know about Jesus and what he's done for them. If you work in student ministry, you're a disciple maker. There's lots of different ways that we are disciple makers, and it can be formal or informal. It doesn't have to be, I will be your disciple maker. It doesn't have to be like that. It can be very informal, but any person in your life that you're intentionally investing in and discipling, you're a disciple maker. And I would encourage you to ask the question, who am I intentionally discipling? Who am I intentionally discipling? That's the question that I would, I would have you ask. Then the third one is this, a mature disciple, anyone who no longer is dependent on others to grow spiritually. Um, anyone who is no longer dependent on others to grow spiritually. And this is an important one. We, this is, and this is where it fits in with this whole equipping conversation. In Hebrews uh, chapter uh, um, 5, it says this, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from in- e- evil. So the mature person, mature disciple, is no longer dependent on others. That is, if, let's just say, COVID comes back or worse and the church shuts down, the internet breaks, I don't know, we can't watch whatever, um, <laughs> for whatever reason, you're on your own. Would you still be able to grow spiritually is the question. That's the question. Are you able to own your own spiritual growth as a mature believer to say, I still can grow even if everything else is shut down, I'm isolated and I don't have these other tools and avenues and groups. Can I still, by my own pursuit of God, still be growing. And that's, that's part of what it means to be a mature uh, believer. So then, last question, and this is the last two verses we'll look at. What does maturity look like? Let me talk about that just for a moment. It says this in verse 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. So what does maturity look like? Oh, go back to verse 15 a second. It's, it's about truth and love, and we want to be a church that's all about truth and love, okay? So that's maturity means that we recognize we need both truth, love, grace, truth, both of those things, that we grow to become in every respect mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Um, the body, I'll just talk about that for a moment. I've, I've mentioned it several times. You're like, what does that mean, the body? If you're new to church, you may not know this, but um, in scripture, there's different um, word pictures that are given for the church. Um, sometimes in Scripture it's the bride of Christ. Other times it's a building. Um, and Paul, one of Paul's favorite is to call the church the body, uh, a body of Christ, that there's all these different parts. And he'll even talk about, you know, the hand, the foot, the eye. Different parts make up this community of believers. And so he uses that a lot. But the bu- building up the body is what he's interested in. Then verse 16 says, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So the whole body um, growing and building itself up as each part does its work. So what does maturity look like? Is this. The church is growing and serving together. Maturity means that the church is growing and serving together. And we see this throughout, the, throughout this, these several verses. Let me just quickly review for you. It says this um, in, the, in, the, in verse 11. Christ gave himself, g- gave to the church pastors and teachers. Why? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Then verse 16, for him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting limit grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So there's two things you see going on over and over. It's growth and service. Growing up, building up, and serving. Each part, each part, each member doing its part. So here's my encouragement. This is the encouragement when it comes to serve. So there's grow, own your pursuit of God, but then there's serve. And my encouragement to you is this when it comes to serving. Attend one and serve one. Attend one, serve one. What do I mean by that? Here's what I mean by that. (laughs) What I'm saying is I want to encourage you as the church to follow what Paul's talking about, it says each one needs to do his part, each one needs to be a part of the body, that you would attend church, but you would also attend a service, but you also serve at a service. So if you are attending the first service, what I would encourage you to consider doing is serve at the second service. For those who serve at the second, attend the second service, I want to encourage you to serve at the first service. 
Or, hey, I'll come early and I'll serve and attend. I'll serve and attend. What can, how can I all do both when I come to church? And it's a different mindset. One mindset is I'm here to be served. The other mindset is I'm part of a family, so I got to get in and do some dishes at times, don't I? There's moments I got to just vacuum. When there's dirt on the ground, I pick it up. Instead of consuming, I'm going to sit back on the couch and, hey, you know, I'm here to be served. As a family member, if this, is your, if this is your church family, South Hills Church is your home, you say, I'm a contributing member of the family. So I attend. Great. We want you to, we want you to be um, engaging with God and experiencing Him and learning and growing. But that you also, as a part of the family, say, I'm going to jump in and serve too. And so we want you to think differently about your church attendance. You come and you give. You, you get and you give. That concept. And so to think about what that would look like is important. And so the, the, here's, here's what I want to encourage you with. The question is this. Why would you want to accept this invitation, this encouragement that, I wanna give, that I'm giving to you, attending one, serving one? Um, let, me, let me give you this. A uh, couple of different things. The first one is this. When you serve, you grow. When you serve, you grow. I am encouraging you because I want your growth. It's not just that I just, we, well, we, we can't do it. We're functioning, but we're not functioning as well, and you're not functioning as well. We want you to grow, and you know this to be true. If you've stepped in and served someplace, you find that you benefit, don't you? In a, in a few weeks, we're sending a, a team to Kenya, and then we're going to be sending a team to the Philippines, and you know what? They're going to come back, and they're going to be like, whoa, I grew so much. And maybe they're going to come back and be honest and say, you know what, I think I grew more than I think we served the people that we were trying to serve. I grew. I benefited more. Because when we serve, we grow. What I've been, I was a youth pastor for many, many years. And as a youth pastor, I would focus on high school ministry, but I oversaw all of our different student ministries. But as a high school pastor, I would intentionally build high school teams and then send them to go serve in children's ministry, send them to go serve in middle school ministry. Why? Because it's when they served that they really grew. That I would have high school students say to me, you know what, Scott, I loved high school camp this year, but you know what I really loved is middle school camp. I'm like, wait a minute, you're hurting my feelings. I'm the high school pastor. I put on this great camp for you. But, the, but the, I loved it at the same time because what they're saying is when I was a camp counselor for the middle school group, I really grew. And I grew more serving than I was, when I was when I was at the high school camp when I was just part of the team. Now, they loved both, but there's something about that serving that causes us to grow when we want to grow. And I want to encourage you to keep growing, keep growing. And many of you um, can serve in, in lots of different ways, um, but I'll, I'm going I'm to keep going. The second one is this. Um, we can't fully function as God intended without you. We cannot fully function as God intended without you. When Paul talks about the body, oftentimes we hear him talk about hands and feet and eyes and all the different parts um, that we see. But in this passage, what part of the body did he talk about? Do you remember? What part of the body did he specifically mention when he was talking about the body working together? The ligaments. Wow. Think about that. Do you see ligaments? No, we don't see ligaments. But if you don't have ligaments, what's, what's going to happen? Your body does not function very well. We tend to think of things, oh, eye, hand, feet, great, those are the parts of the body. But if you don't have ligaments, we are not functioning very well. And we need ligaments. We need the part, seen parts. We need the unseen parts. We need every single part working together. Um, and this is so important. Some of you guys know my wife or have had the privilege of getting to know her over this past year. And many people will say, oh man, your wife, she's so sweet. She's so kind. She's so, um, you, know, you know, warm. All those things are true. Except, <laughs> I asked her if I could do this, by the way. All those things are, are completely true. Except, when you put her on a soccer field. <laughs> Except when you put her on a basketball court. She is warm. She is sweet. She's all those things. You put her on a, on a soccer field, mm-mm. No, no more. No longer. She is, she's, she's tough and rough. And, and, and there's stories, and her parents are here today, actually. They can tell you stories of broken bones and different moments of just going all out. 
And, and he, one of the things, she, I'll, I'll tell this one story. At our summer camps that I would lead for the high school ministry, one of the things that we would do is we would do something called a tournament of the day. So every day of camp, we would have a different tournament. And the students could, like, build up their teams, you know, so it's volleyball tournament, that was a tournament of the day, or basketball tournament, or soccer tournament, or whatever it might be. Um, tournament of the day, they'd get their teams, and we would do a tournament. They would, they would compete against each other. And then here's the real prize. The winning student team would take on a staff team, the adult staff, and the students loved it. So they'd compete, they'd get the joy of like, you know, the, they were the champions of all the students. And then, then at the end of the tournament, you could take on the staff. And then the staff are always, of course, wanting to beat down the students because we need to humble them and make sure that they're, you know, in the right place. And so we have our soccer tournament of the day, and the, you know, this, this student team was really good, and a lot of club players, and they were really <laughs> cocky, arrogant, all those kinds of things. And so the staff team's like, we're going to put them in their place. And Lisa was a part of that staff team because she's a great soccer player, and everyone's like, okay, great, we've got, you know, the secret weapon here with this sweet, you know, pastor's wife, but put her on the team, put her on the field. It's a different story, okay? So on the, on the field, um, they're playing, and it's a competitive, it's a competitive match, and um, there's this moment in the game where Lisa runs at the student and slide tackles them. Now, there's times as a youth pastor, you have to talk to your youth workers, and you have to say, hey, you know what? Let's talk about how you're responding and how you're acting. So this is a little different when it's your wife at the same time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Your youth volunteer is your wife. So it's a different thing. But so she slide tackles this student. But as she slide tackles the student, she puts her thumb down and um, her thumb pops backwards. And um, I don't know how, but she, she uh, snapped the tendon in her thumb. And of course, as it happened, there was like bone fragments and stuff like that. So her thumb was out of commission because the ligament, she tore her ligament in her thumb. And your thumbs are pretty important, aren't they? (laughs) When you think about it, how important a thumb is. And you know, you got your thumb, that's the physical part, but the ligament makes it work. The ligament makes it work. And um, I'll end the story there by just saying she had to have surgery and got it fixed, all that kind of stuff. The student was fine, um, but it was one of those moments where Lisa's like, maybe I shouldn't play soccer with the high school students anymore. And I'm like, I'm not going to say anything, all right? I'll just, leave it, I'll just leave it at that. But here's the deal. The point is this, that the ligaments, you do not see them, but they're valuable. They're important. Every single part of the body, by the way, is important. And if you're here at South Hills Church and you're saying, I'm a part of this family, I'm a part of this church, but I'm not going to serve, we cannot force you to. But let me tell you this, we will now have a disability. We will be disabled. There's a dis- we'll have a dis- disability because every part matters. Every person matters. Every single person has a gift that's been given to them by God. If you place your faith in Jesus, he wants you to use it in the service of the church. And, I, and I, I know that you might be saying, well, I'm serving in, you know, my school board, and I'm serving in, you know, this other place, or, you know, a, a United Way, or whatever it might be. All that is fine. The local homeless shelter, I love all that. That is intentional outreach. We want to be doing that. We'll talk more about it this next week. But when it talks about serving in Scripture, it's talking about serving the body of Christ. It's talking about working together as a family. And we need every part to do its work. There are holes that we have every Sunday morning that aren't filled because people aren't stepping up to say, I'll serve. We have holes that happen in the, in the, in the, in the week. We have different places where the, things aren't functioning as well as they could or ought to because people aren't saying, hey, I'll serve in some way. And it may be because you just don't know where or what to do. Let us help you. Can we have that conversation? Let's figure that out, where you can serve, where you can best fit, because we function better when we're all working together. And every person has a part to play in that. So we can't fully function as God intended without you. Here's the third one. Um, Third one is this. The power of familiarity helps us accomplish our mission. The power of familiarity helps us accomplish our mission. This is why it's important. Familiarity helps us accomplish our mission because when people, when a a kid shows up to a um, class and they know the teacher, that's powerful. But if they show up to the class, I don't know you. And the next week, it's a new teacher. I don't know you. The next week, they show up. I don't know you. It's just some sub filling in, filling in, filling in. We're, lo- we're losing traction with our students because they have to build a relationship and trust all over again. 
We want people who are like, hey, I'll come every week. I'll build a connection. You know, when you come and you show up on, on Sunday mornings, this first service, um, Pete and Lottie, you see them greeting. There's familiarity. How do you just feel warm when you see them? You're like, ah, South Hills Church, I'm home. Because you see the familiar face. They may, then the, the more familiar you are with them, the more familiar they are with you, they, they get to, you get to know you. There's power in that. So again, power familiarity helps us accomplish our mission. Last one is this, that uh, it's how Jesus measures greatness. When we serve, it's how Jesus measures greatness. Jesus modeled something so completely different than this world when it comes to serving. When it comes to this world, we tend to think, oh, it's title, it's position, it's power, top down. Let me tell you what to do. Let me, let me, you know, let me power up on you. Jesus does the opposite. He says, let me go bottom up, not top down, bottom up. He gets down on his knees. And what does he do with his disciples? He washes their feet. Man, what an incredible model. There is, no, there is no role in the church that's beneath you. If Jesus is willing to get on his hands and his knees and wash feet, may we have that posture that we'd get down on the ground, that we, we'd be willing to do anything at any level for the sake of the kingdom of God. So, if we want to be aligned with 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 God and his priorities, we say, God, help me to be like you, to follow your example. And he, not just that he washed feet, he gave his life. He served us and he sacrificed for us so that we can be forgiven and set free. It just makes sense that we respond to him in the same way, by serving others, by growing and serving. Let's take a moment and let's thank him for that together, okay? God, we do want to just stop and, and just say thanks that you're a God who shows us a completely different picture from what this world shows us. It's not power. It's not position. It's not title. It's serving. And Lord, help us to be people who respond to the service that you have given to us, the fact that you died for us, you sacrificed for us. Help us to be people who are willing to serve you, that we would be a church that is built up in maturity, that we're, we're unified in faith and knowledge and maturity that we're growing together, that we're serving together. And as a result of that, you would be glorified and more and more people would turn and see how good you are and put their faith in you. God, we pray this together in your name. Amen.